Welcome to this week's podcast from Free Chapel in Orange County. We hope that you enjoy this encouraging message. For more information on our church family, visit freechapel.org forward slash OC. Why don't you open your Bibles to our First Kings chapter 19 and verse 9. And uh, we're going we're gonna to jump back into the story. If you were here last week, we began... Um, a little discussion about Elijah. Remember last week? Um, We were talking about Elijah and we were talking about the the early stages of of Elijah's journey. And we looked at two um, scenes. One scene was where Elijah was by the creek being fed by ravens and the other scene was where Elijah was on the mountaintop. One scene represents... Um, a season in our life that it's ordered by God, but it's not necessarily overflow. It's, it's where you know God has you where he wants you, but, but you also know that there, there is something greater than, than where you are. And, and we unpacked the, the, the idea um, that Elijah was able to transition from scene one to scene two because of his obedience to God's Word. And we talked about the option of obedience. We talked about how obedience is simply that. It's an option. You don't have to obey. It's an option. And, and we unpacked that a little bit. And so we were looking at this, this principle that Elijah put into practice that being obedient to God's Word, and we saw the the advancing of of Elijah's journey and Elijah's life and walk with God, that he went from the brook to that mountaintop experience that was great victory. And today I want to look at something else in the life of Elijah, and and I want to read it, and I need you to uh, lean in with me a little bit. Um, because I want to take us on a journey. You ready? Yes. Sure? Yes. All right, we'll see. 1 Kings 19 and verse 9. So at this point, we're going to pick up where Elijah has left the mountaintop, took out 450 prophets of Baal, big victory, big win. Ahab goes home. Ahab was the evil king. He got beat up that day. He goes home to his wife and his wife is a piece of work. He goes home to his wife, tells his wife how his day was. She freaks out. His wife is Jezebel. We can call her Jabel for short. <laughs> Jabel writes a letter and says to, to Elijah, I'm coming after you. This time tomorrow, you're going to be dead. Right? Elijah reads this letter freaks out, freaks out. Despite the victory that he just had in front of 450 prophets of Baal on Mount Carmel, the courage, one letter from this crazy chick sent this prophet running for his life. And here we find him. And there he went to a cave, a bit further along in the story, he went to the cave and spent that night the night in that place. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him and said to him, what are you doing here, Elijah? 
So he said, I have been very zealous for the Lord, God of hosts, for the children of Israel have forsaken your covenant, torn down your altars and killed your prophets with the sword. I alone am left and they seek to take my life. And he said, go out and stand on the mountain before the Lord. And behold, the Lord passed by and a great and strong wind tore into the mountains and broke the rocks in pieces before the Lord, but the Lord was not in the wind. And after the wind, an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. And after the earthquake, fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire, a still, small voice. What I want to talk about today is my little title today is is simply this. It's a question. Is God in it? Is God in it? And if you're taking notes, I want you to write it down. And and if you are part of a small group, uh, we're going to go through it, this message in in small groups this week. And and if you're not a part of a small group and you want to be, and you want to know more about how you can get connected, you're going to have opportunity to do that as we leave here today. But as I said, my title is a question. Is God in it? Is God in it? Elijah is in a dark place at this point. Elijah is frustrated. Elijah is overwhelmed. Elijah is suicidal. The Bible says, in fact, before this verse, we didn't read it, but before these verses, it actually says that Elijah prayed and asked God that he would die. Elijah is in a bad place at this point. And God comes to Elijah and asks Elijah this very loaded question. God says to Elijah, what are you doing here? Essentially, he's saying, what's going on, Elijah? Where, where, where are we at? And Elijah's response is, I want you to hear the frustration in, in Elijah's response. And part of me, I like this response because I can relate to this response. We probably all can. When God comes to Elijah and Elijah's in a bad place, he's done everything right. He's had a great victory. He's listening to God. He's obeying the voice of God. He's getting the job done. But then his life is threatened. And despite the magnitude of the victory that he had on the mountain, there was something about the threat in this letter that sent Elijah running for his life. And God approaches him and says, what's going on, Elijah? And Elijah, in his frustration, he, he, he starts to sort of rattle off all of these achievements and frustrations. And Elijah sort of has this raw moment, right? Where he's like, what? This is how I read it. Elijah's like, what am I doing? What do you mean, what am I doing here? I've done, I was zealous. Elijah said, I was zealous for you. I took out the prophets. I did everything right. Those other jokers, they're not living right. Now they're trying to kill me. You owe me, God. This, 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 listen, I want you to hear it. 
It's not, it's not supposed to happen this way. Can you hear it in his voice? This is not the deal we made. The deal we made when I got saved, according to me, was that if I do everything that I'm supposed to do in your Word, then you will do what you're supposed to do. That's how this thing works. Can you hear it? Can you identify with it? You dropped the ball, God, because I did my part and you're not doing yours. I did the big stuff. I took out the prophets of Baal. Fire from heaven. Isn't it interesting that Elijah's trying to impress God with things that God did? And he's saying to God, I did all this. I did the big stuff. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm labouring this point a little bit because I want to I wanna draw you in to the conversation. Because I think if we have not been at this place before, I dare say you will at some point in your life. When it doesn't add up, when the equation, the next part, this plus this is supposed to equal this. So what's missing? Because remember, we talked about last week how obedient he had been. And we talked about last week how when, when you're obedient, God will be faithful to His Word. And he'll move you from scene one to scene two. But what happens because scene two was a great scene. Scene two was one of victory. Scene two was a mountaintop. Scene two was powerful. But scene two is more often than not, it's a scene that we experience, but it's not a scene that we live in. And so what happens when scene two changes And scene three looks worse than scene one was. Because this is where Elijah is. And and I want you to see something here because I believe this is a powerful principle or a powerful thought within the kingdom of God that's going to help you a lot because I know it helped me. And we find it in God's bizarre response to Elijah's complaint. Elijah's complaining. Elijah's rattling off all of the things that he's done. Elijah's saying to God, I I did the big stuff. Calling down fire. I I got the job done. I, I did stuff that was powerful. And so what God does God meets Elijah, where he's at. So God essentially says to Elijah, okay, you did the big stuff. All right, let me show you the big stuff. And what God does is God God sends wind to hit the mountains and split rocks open, right? Then it says, but God wasn't in it. 
Then, then God sends an earthquake and then it says God wasn't in it. Then God sent fire and then it says but God wasn't in it. And, and I want to stick to my notes here because I want to, I want to make sure that I say this right because I really want you to catch what I want to share and I believe God has for us today. All of these things, according to what we are reading in Scripture, God did, but He wasn't in. But then He spoke a small voice and that's what God was in. Elijah was so consumed with performing demonstrations of power, but he missed being able to be still in God's presence. And I want to give you something here because this I think is going to help balance or couple with what I did last week. Because the two things that please the heart of God the most is obedience and intimacy together. And last week we talked about obedience. But this week I'm going to talk about intimacy. Because this was what God was trying to show Elijah while Elijah's saying, I did all this big stuff. I did all this great stuff. God is saying to Elijah, Yes, you did it, but but just because you do it, it doesn't always mean that I'm in it. And I don't just want you to do things for me. I want you to learn how to do things with me. And if you get so impressed by winds and rocks and fire that you miss the still small voice, your walk with me will be incredibly unbalanced and you will live a life being obedient to the will of my Word, but not walking in the intimacy of my ways. Am I making sense? And this is what is wrapped up in the question, which is my title, Is God in it? More than just being obedient to what He says. He wants us to be intimate with who He is. And this was the journey that God was trying to take Elijah on. This is why Jesus, when He was with the woman at the well, this was why Jesus said this to her in John 4 and verse 23. He says, but the hour is coming and now is when, look at the wording, when true worshippers will worship the Father in what? In spirit and truth. Truth being unlocked, truth is unlocked by obedience to His Word. But spirit is unlocked with intimacy with His voice. And if we can learn what it is to walk in both simultaneously, we will experience the fullness of what God has for our life. But we have to have both obedience 
and intimacy at the same time. God is saying that there's more to me than just what I do. He wants us to go on the journey of knowing who He is. What, what, he, what he wants us to do, that's God's will. But knowing who He is, that's God's ways. And, and often in church, people can lean to, to one or the other. The people that are all about intimacy with God and they just want to love God and they just want to be His presence, but they do nothing for God. And they just come to service after service and prayer meeting after prayer meeting and sit in the same seat and they want to soak in the presence for hours and hours, but they've never brought a single person to church in their life. And, and, and they lean to Intimacy, I just want to get with God, just want to get with God, just want to get with God. Do you know what God said to Peter? He said, if you love me, go and feed my sheep. He said, if you really love me, if you really are intimate with me, you'll be obedient to what I'm telling you to do because I'm not telling you to just sit, I'm actually telling you to go. But then we have people on the other side, people that are all about, Going. People that are all about, let's go, let's do it. Let's advance the kingdom. Let's go, let's get people started. Let's do this and let's do that. And let's go and let's go and let's go. And you have trouble actually sitting and getting to know the person that you're going for. And, and, and what can happen is in our ambition to go and to do and to build, we can sometimes miss moments of the still small voice because we're so enamoured by the big powerful demonstrations. And if I chase after His will more than I can listen to His ways, sometimes I can prematurely step into things that God meant for my tomorrow, but I pull them into my today and I'm not ready for it. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because I believe that the two, both obedience and intimacy is imperative for a healthy walk with God. And so, I want to talk about today, because last week we talked about more the obedience. I want to talk about the intimacy part. Because we must ask ourselves that question, is God in this? Is God in this? The first thing that I want you to write down, I want to give you three questions. This is like, like we're going to teach you a little bit today. Is that all right? Thanks. Intimacy with God. First question I want to ask you is, is, and I want you to write down, am I honest? Because intimacy is impossible without honesty. 
And one of the limitations to us being growing in our intimacy with God is that we're not often honest with God. And we put up this facade trying to pretend to be the person that we think God wants us to be in order to communicate with Him. But what God wants us to truly be is honest and ourselves. And this is something that Elijah did get right, which is why I think God actually responded to Elijah and, 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 and began to speak to him or tried to speak to him through this demonstration and a still small voice. It was because Elijah was actually being honest. And it's messy, right? And, and being honest with God, I want to tell you, if you've ever been honest with God, it doesn't look very spiritual. It looks quite carnal. Because I don't know about you, but the honest conversations that I've had with God probably need to be censored a little bit. But what draws God in, what draws me closer and grabs His attention is when I am truly honest with really what's going on. It's not that He needs me to be honest in order to know what's going on because He knows what's really going on anyway. But there's a closer level of intimacy formed between you and Him when you actually voice what really you feel. And God is not intimidated by what you feel. He's not. He hung on a cross for that stuff. He got pretty up close and personal with all your crap, right? And so the stuff that's in us, the stuff that bothers me, the stuff I don't get, the stuff I wish was different, the stuff I despise, the challenges I face, the difficulties, the times I feel like He's not with me, the times I wish He did it different. That's the stuff that He wants to hear because that's the stuff that's real. And you will delay closer intimacy with God the longer you pretend like you've got it all together when clearly none of us do. And when we can be real and ask ourselves the question, am I being honest with God? Am I being honest with God? Isaiah 29 and verse 13, he says, Therefore the Lord said, Inasmuch as these people draw near with their mouths and honour me with their lips, but they have removed their hearts far from me. In the church world, we are great at knowing what to say. But he doesn't always want to hear just what we have to say. He wants to know how we feel. Are you, are you honest with God? When was the last time you and God just had a knockdown drag out? I know it sounds wrong to say, but I bet, I will bet that the people that you are closest with in your life are the ones that you've had the biggest arguments with. That's why you're close. What sort of relationship would it be if you always feel like you cannot be free to be yourself? 
Your God is not intimidated by the real you. Am I honest? Am I honest? We live in a day and age right now where honesty seems to be something that's that's far and few between. Um, People don't like honesty because it's messy. And we post fake, but we filter honesty. Because people want to, we want to celebrate the moments. And we want to we celebrate and applaud the mountaintops. We want, that's the stuff we admire. That's the stuff we want to elevate. That's the stuff we want to celebrate. But we want to skip, skip through the valley stuff. And some of us would rather accolades of man than honesty with God. So it's a powerful question. Am I honest? The second thing that I want to give you, um, that I want you to write down the second question is, am I committed? Am I committed? Because Obedience, man, we talked about obedience last week. Obedience is an action, right? But intimacy is a journey. And you'll never go on the journey if you're not committed to the process. Am am I really, am I really locked into this thing? Am I, am I really, am I, Committed? Am I committed? And I want to go quickly because I want to make sure I get everything in and I want to give you the last thing because the second one flows into the third one. Am I honest is the first. Am I committed is the second. And the third one is an interesting one. It's a real simple question. Do I want it? This is desire. This is... And I know it's so simple, but when we break it down and we're really honest, it's actually a powerful question. Do do I, do you, do I really want intimacy with God? Because you can get by this is the truth. You can get by in life without it. You won't ever be truly fulfilled, but you can have great success. Let me show you something. If you are just obedient to God's Word and you just apply God's Word to your life, you will experience great success in your life. You will because it's the power of God's word. Let me let me let me show you something here. Matthew 7, verse 21 to 23. Jesus said, Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, shall enter the kingdom of heaven. But he who does the will of my Father in heaven. Many will say to me on that day, listen to these words, and I want I want to show you something here. Many will say, 
Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in Your Name, cast out demons in Your Name and done many wonders in Your Name? And then I will declare to them, depart from me, I never knew you. So listen, listen to me real carefully because this is, this, is, this is a powerful point. Once you look at these words, these people, Jesus was saying this. He said, you're going to come to me and you're going to say, we did wonders in your name. We cast out demons in your name. Now, can we cast out demons in the natural? No, right? So my question is, who cast out the demons? Think about it. Who cast out the demons? Because if it's not, the disciples didn't do it, right? The, the people didn't do it because we don't have the power to do that. Right? The, the, the devil didn't do it because Jesus addressed that when He said a house divided amongst itself cannot stand. So the devil didn't do it. So who cast out the demons? What power caused those demons to leave? It was still the power of God. So God did it, but God wasn't in it. So this is where the power of God's Word can be applied to your life by being obedient and you see success, but you can still do that and lack intimacy. And we see people, there's people all over the world, they're incredibly successful, whether they acknowledge God in it or not, but many of them are successful in their life because they've adopted kingdom principles to their life. If you are diligent, and you apply yourself, the Word says the hand of the diligent shall rule and the gifts of God are without repentance. So if you're diligent and you apply yourself, you don't even have to be saved. But if you walk in kingdom principles, you will experience results. But it's possible to do that and be obedient to God's Word, but lack intimacy with His voice. And you can walk in God's will, but not know God's ways. Because His will is unpacked in His Word, but His ways are understood when we hear His voice. So the challenge for us is, do you really want it? Do you really want it? And it's a challenge because As I said, we live in a day and age where doing great things is the goal. What's what's the goal? I want you to think about it for a minute. It's a very simple but very powerful question. What is the goal? What's the And I dare say many of us our default answer is wrapped up in what we accomplish and do. Not in who we're intimate with. And, and this is this, this world that we live in. This is why it's such a powerful question to actually ask yourself, do you really want intimacy with God? Or are you happy just being obedient to God's Word, 
Because listen, I, I dare say, in fact, I know there's many people in this room, if you were to be real honest, you don't really want it. And that's okay, that's your prerogative. But what will happen is you will go your whole entire life being obedient to His Word, come into church, you might even join a small group and you will do great things and you will see great stuff, but you will always have a sense of unfulfilment because you may see the success that comes through being obedient to God's Word, but you won't receive the fulfilment through being intimate with God's voice. And some of you, there's a missing piece And this is it, it's intimacy. Some of you are obedient as the day is long and you're running and you're hustling and you're believing and you're tithing and you're doing everything God says to do. But some of you, just like Elijah, He's saying, forget all that, stop. And just listen to what I'm saying because I'm not gonna yell it, I'm gonna whisper it. And some of you are running so fast, you can't hear the whisper. And the reason why is so important. Is there is a power. There is incredible power. We know in God's Word and being obedient to God's Word. But there is a different I won't say greater, I'll say different. There is a different level of power available to you by being intimate with who He is. Because back to the start of the story, this for Elijah, this is a very different battle. It's different. To compare Elijah Standing on Mount Carmel in front of 250 evil prophets, in front of an evil king, all by himself. This guy did not lack courage. This guy knew how to throw down. This guy had faith. If you read the story, he said, throw water on the aisle. He starts trash talking Baal. I mean, this is... This thing is a scene. Dude's up there by himself, trash talking 450 evil prophets. I mean, you got some. I won't say. But then. He leaves that mountaintop and he gets one letter from the Queen that says, I'm coming for you. And in a second, this guy's ready to kill himself. That's not normal. There are certain battles. There are certain battles that you will face and the strength of it is not going to come 
by what you declare, what you fight, what you play, pleading the blood. I believe it and I've done it a million times and I've seen God be victorious. But I'm just saying, every now and then you will face a fight where God will say, this one's different. And He'll say, it's not about what you pray right now, what you declare or how powerful you do or don't feel. This one is about just staying close to me while you're in it. These are the battles. These are the battles where you don't fight them. These are the battles that He fights for you. And I'm gonna close. Second Chronicles 17, verse three to six. Jehoshaphat. Now the Lord was with Jehoshaphat. Intimacy. Because he walked in the former ways with his father. Obedience. He did not seek the Baals, but he sought means to seek with care or to worship. He sought the God of his father's intimacy. And he walked in his commandments, obedience. Not acknowledge the acts of Israel, therefore the Lord established the kingdom in his hand. Skip forward and it says, and his heart took delight in the, what's the next word? Ways, intimacy. You see it? Obedience and intimacy. Obedience and intimacy. God, what do you want me to do? God, when do you want me to do it? And look at what happened. Jehoshaphat came up at a, in a battle. Put it up, Second Chronicles chapter 20, verse 15 or 16. It says, King Jehoshaphat, this was the word that came to him. Thus says the Lord to you, do not be afraid or dismayed because of this great multitude for the battle is not yours. but it's God's. You will not need to fight this battle, but position yourself. Position yourself. Look at this next bit. Stand still. What was the voice that came to Elijah in the cave? It was a still, small voice. Stand still and you'll see the salvation of the Lord who is with you. Did Jehoshaphat, was he in a battle? Yes. Did he get a mighty victory? Yes. Did he have to fight? No. Sometimes you're gonna have to fight. And sometimes you're going to have to move. 
And sometimes you've got to get up off your tail and declare God and believe it and plead the blood and bind every attack of the enemy over your life and your family. But every now and then you'll face a fight where God says, just stand with me in this. And if you don't know how to be intimate, if you don't know how to be intimate, you'll end up doing the right thing at the wrong time. And you'll be praying your little heart out. And I'm not saying don't pray, hear what I'm saying. You'll be praying and declaring your little heart out and God's telling you to be still and let Him fight this one. This was a lesson that God was trying to teach Elijah. The last verse I wanna give you. Because we know Elijah was faithful. We know Elijah was powerful. We know Elijah was submitted. We know Elijah was obedient, but he struggled to be intimate. When he was going up against the prophets, Elijah's own words, he said it like this, let it be known this day. I want you to hear because Elijah, there was so much zeal, so much passion to obey God, such a desire to do right. He said, let it be known this day that you are God in Israel. Elijah's been obedient, declaring how good God is. And then he says this, and I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Obedience as a servant, submitted, stepping out, obedient to His Word. But there was the other piece that He was missing. And it was the intimacy. Because Jesus said it in John 15, and this is where I'm gonna close. No longer do I call you servants, For a servant does not know what his master is doing. But now I call you friends. A servant is obedient, but a friend is intimate. And if we, if we as the people of God, will walk in both. Your walk with God will be balanced. Thank you for listening to this week's podcast. To watch our latest message, be sure to subscribe to our YouTube channel. To stay connected, follow us on Instagram and Facebook at Free Chapel OC.